1: The voice of Batman. This is George Newbern, the voice of Superman. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at dcaureview.com and on your favorite podcast app. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and at dcaureview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Hey everyone! Welcome to episode forty-six of the DCAU review. I'm your host Cal, and with me, as he always is, the DCAU review Twitter guru. Man, it's a mouthful every time you say it. <laughs> you it, came up with it. Yeah, I don't know I why did. you're complaining. I, yeah, I. waiting on that monogram name tag (laughs) just so i can read right off of it it's liam liam welcome to episode 46 of the dcau review yeah we got another big one here is
0: our our last week before we get to review the new justice league versus fatal five so excited can you feel it can you feel (laughs) the anticipation in the air i can and for our last uh season 1 justice league review for the time being we thought we would go with another one of our favorites one of the big ones from season 1 the savage time a big three part epic world war 2 story
1: man it w- it is a tremendous episode I have good good oh, memories yeah. about this one i remember seeing we were in a like a second hand toy store one time called Classic Plastic Toys oh, yeah. in Town. and he was playing it uh on on TV in there and that was the first time that we had seen or at least the first time I think we had seen either the first part, because I think we had the second or third part, or I both. I think we
0: had two and three. But on... we had never
1: seen the first part. Yes, I think that's So right. I think he was showing the first part. It was the first time we had seen that. But that that that's what my brain goes huh. to when I think about these episodes. But uh, it, it is a fascinating sort of alternate timeline storyline involving our heroes, the Justice League, in which they are transported to a alternate dimension, sort of. it's It actually turns out to be an altered past due to the villain Vandal Savage influencing his past former self affecting the future it's if if you followed that that's great uh the future is altered due to the fact that World War II the outcome has changed due to Vandal Savage's meddling he has sent himself uh, futuristic technology from the future back to the past to help him take over the German Nazis and help them win World War II yeah Which is a tale as
0: old as time, as you like to say. (laughs) Telling Uh, the same old stories, these superhero cartoons. Yeah,
1: for real. Uh, I absolutely love that episode. Let's start, as we always do, with plot, Liam. Um, We went over the basic plot here uh, as an overview, but it really gets into some deep, deep dives into the DC universe here. We get some of the Golden Age, Silver Age, I guess, superheroes, uh, that were introduced in the in the 40s and 50s. You get Sergeant Rock and Easy Company. You get Steve Trevor, of Wonder Woman fame, who's probably never been more famous than he is right now. Oh Did yeah, his, uh, portrayal from Chris Pine in the Wonder Woman movie in 2017. Uh, we have, let's see, who else do we have in this episode? We have
0: the Blackhawks, mm-hmm. um, which are memorable specifically for one reason, which we'll get into a little bit later. Absolutely. But, uh, they have a nice, fun cameo. We even get little cameos from the Unknown Soldier, mm-hmm. and uh, so basically, yeah, they, this was definitely a, a chance for the creators of the show, and I remember if you, if you listen to the uh, the commentary they did on the... Just League season one DVD. This was a real big chance for them to just nerd out mm-hmm. and use all these characters, all these World War II era characters that they really would never ever have another chance to use. Yeah, um, they do some time travel episodes later on, but they don't go back to this era. So yeah, it, this was really kind of felt like this was their one shot, and so they were going to just jam everybody in there. But it doesn't feel overstuffed at any point. Tonight.
1: No, I, I I concur with that. It does. They do a great job of separating the heroes. Um, I think they learned from the first uh, first couple episodes where you have such a yeah. large contingency. You have six of the seven in this. Well, you have all seven in the in part one, but m- the main story is focused on six of the seven. So you, they do a good job of splitting them up, separating their stories so that they can kind of be fleshed out on their own. Uh, Martian Manhunter even disappears for quite a long time. Oh, yeah. So you really have five five of the heroes, and then they split. Split John Stewart off into his own sort of storyline with with Easy Company, um, but I, yeah, I, I think they do a good job of balancing all of that. Um, your your story is is as we said, Vandal Savage sends himself some futuristic technology in, in an attempt to win World War II and an attempt to take over the world essentially. So um, you know, it's it's certainly a fascinating concept, and there are. Ways that they could have done this differently, I think, but I, I enjoyed the way that they did it. The fact that it's a throwback to the World War II era, and the fact they were able to incorporate so many of the the DC superheroes from that from that time frame. Yeah, um, I have a, a strong feeling about this plot. What about um, before I give my score, I'll let you you talk because I talked a little bit. Yeah, there. and like I said, it's real jam packed, but I do think overall it's really strong.
0: If you want to nitpick, you can say, yeah, it's it's. The reasoning of why the rest of the Justice League aren't affected is basically just Green Lantern is towing the javelin back with the rest of the leaguers minus Batman uh, at the start of the episode, so when the the time waves come out, they're sort of protected by Green Lantern's ring in sort of a not-really-explained way. Um, So you can can nitpick a little bit. Uh, I went 8 out of 10. I think it's really, really good. Um, The only thing... I wish they had done a little more focus on the hawk girl green lantern uh side because there's a scene in it uh near the end of part one where she leaves uh green lantern behind because Mm -hmm. she's take she's taking uh injured soldiers with her green lantern tells her to leave him behind right uh but it's and there's right at the start of part two there's a very emotional scene where the flash is sort of yelling at her um about like how could you leave him behind and she's uh, you know eventually sort of goes into this uh spiel and she takes flash over to the, like the the sick the sick tent mm-hmm. and shows all these wounded soldiers and talks about how you know this could have been so much worse, but then we don't really get any more of that until the very end of part three when she sort of they they realize John is in one of the planes with Vandal Savage and they're able to save him and bring them back with with them but as far as they know, they're never gonna see John Stewart again. Uh, uh, you know, they he might be dead for all they know. Yeah, there isn't much time for them, to right? React and they to that. Co- so I felt like that could have been focused on a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm nitpicking there; it's not bad in any way. And the the dialogue, especially, and we'll get into that in voice acting the the back and forth between the Flash and Hawkgirl is is very good in 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 that in that regard. I just wish it could have been focused on a bit more. Uh, so yeah, but still really strong. Eight out of ten.
1: Okay, that's fair. Um, I I think as far as plot is concerned, the the way that they go uh, and sort of show you an altered future with the the different story of Batman. You know, he tells the story how his his parents were killed by the Nazis instead of being murdered in an alley, but he still you know leads this resistance against Vandal Savage and his regime. Yeah, and then the heroes go back in time and. Um, I, I think the plot is just absolutely fantastic. It's a little bit if you wanted to get nitpicky, I, I think I think you could pick on the end just a little bit because it's sort of wrapped up in a very neat and orderly fashion and there's not it does they don't really explain how the heroes get back. To the present reality, they don't explain uh, how Green Lantern's ring gets recharged. Yeah. They don't explain uh, a lot of that stuff. So there's a, a couple things I feel like they, they left untied at the end. But overall, I think that's nitpicking. I'm gonna go with a perfect 10 out of 10. For oh, the plot there we go. Uh, I, I think it's fantastic. I I, lo- I love the plot of this episode. I, I got super excited looking into it, and re- when we realized we were gonna review it, so I'm um, I'm fully fully on board with the plot for this. All right, let's move on to animation, Liam. Uh thoughts early first impressions? It's really breathtaking. Some of the stuff they did, especially some of the the
0: air battles in part 1 and in part 3, mm-hmm. uh like the, the, like it's, it's almost like they're following the characters around. There aren't a lot of cuts. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, you know, where you see that in a, like in a live action movie where it's like all one shot, mm-hmm. where they'll follow Hawkgirl Girl and then they'll just sort of pan a little bit over to Superman. Fighting something, and then pan up to Martian Manhunter, and then pan over to Wonder Woman. But it all feels like one shot. Always, all feels very three dimensional. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really, really well done. A lot the battle scenes, I think, are are really breathtaking. Some of the best stuff I think we've seen uh, on the shows that we've reviewed up to this point. It's such a big epic scale because in addition to all of the world war ii imagery the fighter planes the you know the soldiers you also have the the dc comics elements of the war wheels mm-hmm. and the you know the future tech of these you know these big impressive uh, like uh, big jets that they're flying on at the end there's a lot of stuff that could have looked like wonky or looked like rushed mm-hmm. and it all looks really tremendous the design is really well done. All the characters, uh, especially the Blackhawks design, I think is really tremendous. I like the way their planes look. I like the way their um, character designs look. Same with Easy Company; they all look different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have bulldozers, sort of this big beefy guy. Kind of looks like uh, Bruce Wayne in The Forgotten, honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you know, they don't. They could have just put sort of four generic soldiers next to each other and said, "Hey, we're Easy Company." But they actually did a little bit of a. You know, they made sure it was clear which character was which, which I appreciated there. Sure. So, yeah, for all those reasons and much more, I gave visuals 10 out of 10. Wow, awesome. Um, there's a, a lot of little things. There's a tremendous shot where they go inside of uh, the, the leader of the Blackhawks' uh, uh, cockpit as he's firing, and there's shadows on his face, uh, as, and then his his sort of face is illuminated by the light of his uh, his machine guns firing. Mm-hmm. Just so many cool little things that they did in this episode that uh, I really can't remember seeing in another episode anything that's really comparable to it. Sure,
1: sure, yeah, I I I agree that the animation is is really strong in this episode. I think that um, there were a couple of things that. That took me out of it a few times. Some of the some of the drawing looked a little wonky. We talked about how the first season character models are a little bit off. Superman yeah. looked a little bit Asian at times. <laughs> which, if they wanted to make Superman Asian, that was that was their prerogative. But as far as I know, Superman Rack. was not Asian. Um, but the way they drew him, he kind of looked Asian with the high cheekbones and the mm-hmm. the smaller eyes. Uh, in in this episode, um, it, 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 a lot of it is at night, which is good because it hides. We always talk about how you know the the setting being at night hides a lot of the deficiencies in the in the animation. The daylight kind of is the enemy, and there's there is some daylight, uh, especially at the beginning of the episode. Um, I was confused. They don't really make it clear if Batman's cowl in the fu- in the alternate future Batman, why he doesn't have eyes? Is it yeah. supposed to be like a shield, like it's just dark, like sunglasses, like you can't see through it? I think so. Just I, yeah, all I of think his so. other sol- soldiers also have like big black goggles on. It's very. It, it's a little bit distracting though, because it's like where are Batman's eyes? Oh, he doesn't yeah, have any. It's, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. Um, the Flash in a couple scenes looks a little off model wonky for lack of a better term Hmm. um and uh i think i think there was one or two things in the last scene or two that didn't didn't quite make sense there's one scene where they're attacking vandal savage's fleet of jet engines that are flying over to the united states to to try and invade and uh You know the heroes are attacking it; they're on fire, and then they cut back to the heroes, and then they cut back to the ships, and suddenly they're not on fire anymore. And I don't know if that was an oversight or if it was supposed to be additional planes or whatever. But it seemed like there was only four or five planes at the start, so I don't know how additional planes could have showed up. (laughs) But um, it it was just a minor mistake. There was also the reuse of a uh, explosion. They have, and if you've ever been nerdy enough to listen to the to the the uh voiceovers that the some of the producers do the audio commentary they'll talk to you about reusing certain explosions there's one that just uh, kind of appears out of nowhere in that last scene it's a reused explosion it was kind of again nerdy enough for me to (laughs) be distracted by it not nerdy i mean if if you're not paying attention you probably don't even notice it but um, i did like a lot of the visuals there's a there's a lot of great stuff in this, but not. I didn't think it was their best effort, uh, so I gave it a 7 out of 10. All right, fair enough. Not enough for the disagreement alarm, because I still yet. think it's strong. Yes. Um, but I, I, I think they could have could have done better in yeah, some areas. Yeah,
0: a couple of little things. I think we talked about this back in, in Blackest Night, but I really like that when John's uh, ring runs out of power, his eyes turn colors. Sure. Like the green leaves his eyes. Mm-hmm. I always think that's a really cool uh, design choice of theirs. And there's little things at the end, like when she, when Hawkgirl uh, saves John, and they're, like, she's holding him by their hand, and then she kind of squeezes his hand, which, of course, you know, they're they're heading towards the romance uh, story with those two. Mm-hmm. And so you get a little bit more follow-up of that, which, again, I mean, that kind of dips back into plot, where you kind of wish there was a little more of the Hawkgirl being guilty mm-hmm. over this, you know, this man that she clearly has feelings for. Right that she left him behind. Like I felt like that could have been more, but again, some of
1: those little flourishes
0: were, were really uh, nicely done.
1: I agreed. Agreed. All right. Let's talk about music. Liam Uh, music in this episode. uh, We noted as we were watching this in the first scene, there's some music that comes in and it sounds a little, mm, we talked a little bit about the canned aspect versus the live orchestra, Mm -hmm. the some, what is almost certainly a keyboard mimicking the sound of live strings and horns Yes, that is, doesn't quite translate to the the same sound of a live orchestra performing that we are used to from Batman the Animated Series or spoiled with, I guess, maybe yeah. from Batman the Animated Series. And I get it, the budget was probably smaller for these episodes, or they didn't put as much into the music budget as they did for Batman the Animated Series. So you take that with what it is. Um, with that said, you do get uh, two very cool themes. I'll let you talk about the, the main theme that... Is in the in the episode uh, that uh, we both enjoyed, but the the one one that I enjoyed was in the. You don't get a ton of Batman in it, but the Batman's first appearance in this futuristic world where Vandal Savage takes over, we do get a little bit of Shirley Walker. Just a touch. It's a touch of it, and it's it's very subtle. But you, he shows up, and you get a little bit of the of the Batman animated series theme, which is awesome. Uh, big fan of that. Oh yeah. Um, so uh, I'll let you go ahead and talk about the. The main theme, as far as, as far as I'm concerned, the most memorable theme throughout the the show, which was yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely want to talk about
0: uh, the the Blackhawks theme, mm-hmm. which uh, hopefully the listeners are hearing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tremendous. To me, it's one of the best pieces of music on any of these shows ever. One of the best themes. It's um, it's really really good, and it's so heroic, and it especially fits like the World War Two fighter pilot superhero sure like it really fits for the time too it just it, it's so perfect and those scenes that it plays in are so feels just a little bit more epic with that theme playing in it um it's just a tremendous piece of music some of the some, like I said some of the best music I think we've heard on any of these shows I think that's um, great also uh Vandal Savage's theme which doesn't play a lot has a very um it reminds me a little bit of like a the Darth Sidious theme mmm uh, it's like very like low key, uh, like l- very light, but very played in like a very minor key, very sinister. As uh, when we first meet him, and then when he's interrogating the Martian Manhunter in uh, in part one, um, it's real, it's real ominous. And we don't we don't get the full origin story in this one of who Vandal Savage is and right. the meteor and the caveman stuff that comes later on. But there's a little bit of alluding to that, and he's also showing him. Uh, you know footage like war footage of uh there's not there's some imagery of people giving the Heil to hitler and some real you know weird stuff and the music is there is very sinister and very uh like i said it felt very star wars to me there's a few things in here that feel very star wars to me actually sure
1: sure absolutely yeah it's it's uh i think it's strong i think that with that said the music plays an important role in this episode, and it is the Black Hawk theme that, that sort of dominates uh, as far as memorability. Is that a word? Memorability? I don't think that's that's a word. As far as being memorable, um, but I, I I think the rest of the episode, the music, like I said, it, it falls flat in the beginning. There's a little bit of a pickup in the in the second second and third parts, which I think balances it out. Um, so I, I gave music a seven out of ten.
0: And I gave music a ten out of ten. Nice. I like I said that Black Hawk theme especially is just such a beautiful piece of music, and for the other uh, reasons we mentioned, some of the music in the in the quieter scenes between uh, Wonder Woman and Steve Trevor I think is really nice as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it's just it's one of the uh, we've talked about that a lot. I think with Justice League is a lot of episodes the music tends to sort of fade more into the background or be sort of like generic sort of fight music and uh we don't get a ton of that in here It feel a lot of the scenes are punctuated by i think pretty uh pretty solid memorable music with the standouts being what we've uh what we've already touched on here so yeah for those reasons i i had to give this one a 10
1: there you go all right well then let's head to our final We'll give ourselves plenty of time because there's so many oh, people my goodness, here. You aren't kidding. So here's here's the interesting thing. Um, when I, we'll, and we'll get into our voice acting here. We'll let you talk about the players. But when I was trying to figure out the score here, it's funny because I think the major lifting here is done by people that aren't regulars on the on the show. Yeah, you have a lot of Steve Trevor. You have a lot of Sergeant Rock and Easy Company. You have a lot of Vandal Savage. You have a lot of Vandal Savages guys mm-hmm. i mean you have you of course you have your regulars of, of green lantern and hawk girl and flash and and superman and wonder woman as well of course but i think a lot of it is dominated by these supporting characters yeah. um so that that sort of influenced my score but let's let's talk about who some of those characters are
0: yeah well obviously in addition to all the regulars we have uh, phil morris as vandal savage does a really really good job uh you might know him from the, uh, he played the, speaking of crossovers, The Martian Manhunter on Smallville uh, as a live-action version of John Jones. Sort of is like, a. in the later seasons, it's sort of introduced. you not remember
1: him being on Smallville. Introduced
0: so. as sort of like a mentor to Clark and and uh, became a pretty interesting part of that show uh, towards the end. Mm-hmm. And he's also, uh, for a more recent uh, tie-in, he's on the, the Doom Patrol show, which is on uh the DC DC Universe, DC Universe streaming service yeah. that's on right now he's playing uh Silas Stone uh Cyborg's dad on nice. that show so uh yeah he's been around he's been around for a while lots of lots of work there and i think he does a tremendous job as vandal savage as you mentioned he's doing almost more talking than anybody else in this episode in mm-hmm. these three episodes mm-hmm. so that's and that's a lot to ask of a guest star yeah yeah for sure
1: for uh, sure,
0: yeah. So um, uh, going forward, we also have we have Patrick Duffy, who was uh, uh, on Step by Step. He was also on Dallas. He played Steve Trevor. He's very good as well. I really enjoyed him. Yeah, he's
1: he's perfectly he's um, perfectly cast. I think.
0: Yeah, there's really the. I mean, we've done a little bit of like flirting, I think, by now between Batman and Wonder Woman, but this is really the first like prolonged interaction like romantic interaction wonder woman has had with a man Mm -hmm. i assume in her entire life
1: (laughs) so like playing
0: that and they but they didn't go like too much into like the awkwardness or the comedy of it they like they treated this very seriously like and steve trevor is sort of this guy who's he's a spy he's trying to figure out how to get the you know to break this code so that he can figure out when this invasion is supposed to happen and, but he's also he has a very cavalier attitude about it he's very sort of uh you know suave and and we we noted when we saw him uh, that he's, you know he's wearing a business suit basically the whole time <laughs> which is kind of weird for like a, a spy and a soldier but
1: 1940s yeah 90, so. yeah
0: that's another thing it, felt, it kind of felt like he's sort of like an American James Bond type or something yeah. like very very suave and very uh very down to earth like while they're they're sitting in this like wrecked home waiting for uh Trevor's contact and he's just like digging through the fridge finding caviar and, and <laughs> champagne and yeah i i thought he did a, a very good job as well we also have uh robert Ricardo as black hawk uh the main uh black hawk leader does a solid job he was uh most famously probably on star trek voyager okay um and then uh r- rounding out the the big guest stars we have ted levine from monk who played the bulldozer uh, one of the members of Easy Company, who has a kind of a, a scuffle with uh, John Stewart when they first meet, okay. and then we had uh, Fred Dreyer as Sergeant Rock, who does a good job. And most interestingly, in addition to being an actor for several years, he was a, a defensive end in the National Football League, <laughs> uh, played for the Giants, and had a hundred and four career sacks. So he's not—he wasn't just like a guy who played for a year and then washed out. That's he was a, a good defensive end <laughs> in the sixties and seventies. That's crazy. And then went on to become an actor uh, years later. So I thought that was a a really cool little uh, little story. That's that's when why I,
1: we read these IMDb. Yeah, pages. <laughs> yeah.
0: You find you actually find some very interesting uh, notes about certain people. But yeah, I thought uh, as we mentioned, m- outside of the guest cast, the two main cast who I feel have the most to do are uh, Phil Lamar as Green Lantern and. Susan Eisenberg as Wonder Woman, and I think they're both very good here.
1: I I agree. I think Phil Omar does a great job, uh, especially after the ring he, ring goes out of juice, which they don't exactly. That was another plot hole that I didn't mention, but they don't exactly explain why his ring runs out and he doesn't just recharge it but that's backed into plot sorry uh but yeah he does it he does a good job and um i think i think uh susan eisenberg does a great job as well my my one complaint in this episode was listening to uh, uh maria canalis as as hawk girl hmm. there's i i feel like her performance i I don't know if it's just her delivery style, but there's an episode, there's a part in in this episode where she's explaining to Flash where Green Lantern uh, is. You know, Flash asks her where GL is. And Michael Rosenbaum does an excellent job of just communicating the angst and the worry and the stress and the heartbreak of hearing that she had to leave Green Lantern behind. Yeah, And the conversation, she sounds very wooden in her performance and he's very passionate and very clearly upset and it's, he comes across as authentic. She comes across as somebody that's sort of just reading through lines and it was just, ah, it's just not, it wasn't, it wasn't my, it wasn't her best performance. Yeah. Another issue that I had, and I couldn't figure out if I liked or disliked his performance. And I think some of it is just the way that the way that he gave like, I guess some of the lines he was given, but I thought Vandal Savage's performance was—I don't know—I don't think I liked it. Okay, I I think it was just—it's very monotone. And I get—I think he's just supposed to be a cool, calm, and collected type villain, like a cocky, like you know, he he talks at the very, very end where Green Lantern or you know John points a gun at him. He's—he knows he's immortal. He's not going to die from from being shot, but. That I don't think he translates. It, it it translates well in that scene, but I think everything else it translates is just he's sort of aloof, or do, you know, doesn't really care about what's going on. Doesn't come across that he's this dictator that's trying to take over the world.
0: And some of that actually is explored in the episode where they sort of talk about how he's so dis. Uh, the the other uh, Nazi generals are sort of talking about how he's. So dismissive and sort of uh, you know holier than thou towards them, mm-hmm. whereas the other guy who might have been a little crazy, but at least he respected. <laughs> say what you will about Adolf Hitler, but <laughs> all right, cut that, cut that from the episode, please. Definitely, uh, going, to, <laughs> definitely going. Say to what you will about Hitler, <laughs> but like I think I think that was part of the character was that it's this guy who's seen everything throughout history and feels that nobody can touch him, nobody can stop him once he's, you know, figured out how to move forward.
1: I think I think it's hard, you know, and maybe it's 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 to his detriment that you have so many iconic villains in the DCAU. You have and especially the big baddie threats. Like I'm not talking about the Joker who obviously is yeah. iconic, but he's not a world ending threat. No. You have but you have your dark sides, you know, Michael Ironside's dark side is yeah. is he comes across. He also is cool, calm, and collected, but mm-hmm. he comes across as sinister. He comes across as a threat. He comes across as somebody who's who just hmm. knows. Like I, I don't know. I I think it's just. No, the way, I, see the performance. Performance. I see I see. what you're saying. And you compare that to you know the Mongols or the you know I'm, I'm trying to think even the Gorilla Grodds or Luthor. Luthor. Some of the the more sinister villains, and it it just doesn't. It just didn't ring true with me. So I ended up giving voice acting a, a 7 out of 10 for this.
0: Yeah, I went a little stronger. I went 9 out of 10. Um, I do agree with you that maria Can- this is not Maria Canales' best episode. Mm-hmm. And, like, we know that she has good performances in her. I, uh, I think about, like, Wild Cards or certainly in Starcrossed. Yep. Um, like, so we know, like, she has the ability. But I do agree that it just felt like it was two different... I don't know, maybe if, like, the lines weren't recorded in on the yeah, same day could, or something. Could, yeah, um, Where, yeah, it's like, Rosenbaum is so good in that one scene that you mentioned, and she is very sort of more matter-of-factly saying, well, this is what I had to do because this is war. And it's, yeah, yeah it could, it just, it's one of those scenes where it could have been, like, one of the all-time great scenes, maybe. Yeah. If her performance had been a little stronger there, but uh most, mostly a minor complaint for me um like i said 9 out of 10 um i thought everyone else was was really on point here uh even like some of the uh like i said Kevin Conroy doesn't have a big role to play. George and as Superman has a very small role to play. I liked the scene between Martian Manhunter and Vandal Savage, mm-hmm. where Vandal Savage is sort of explaining his evil plan to mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought there was some good back and forth there. I thought Carl Lumbly did a nice job with that. But, yeah, overall, um, of the Justice League episodes we watched, and I think that'll reflect in our final score, this is... Definitely one of uh, one of the best we've watched so far, and 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 probably my personal favorite that we've watched so far as far as Justice League
1: goes. It's really strong. It's it's no legends. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put this in front of legends. We're we gonna so add, sure. have a disagreement a uh, lot <laughs> for that. Maybe maybe <laughs> if I feel like editing it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. Well. Okay. The, the only thing that we didn't get, we're getting ready to get wrapped up and get our final score. issue. The only thing I didn't mention, and this didn't factor into my plot, because uh, I obviously I gave plot a, a perfect score. Right. But can we talk about what a wuss Superman was in this episode? <laughs> God. Man, every time you turn around, he's getting knocked down, he's getting shot, he's on his knees because he got hit with a bullet. Mm-hmm. He is borderline useless in this episode. I mean,
0: that's sort of a running, uh, I think a running gag in season one of Justice League. is uh, I know, I remember hearing Bruce Timm talk about that of, uh, like, it's super wimp season. Like, Jeez. a lot of episodes where he is incapacitated very easily and I get that that's sort of a crutch to pump up your villains. And to be like, to- oh, if they're so tough that they can break down Superman so easily, they must be really bad. Like, I get it.
1: Plus, we talked about if if Superman is invulnerable and can do do everything himself, why does he? Why do we need the rest of the Justice right. League? Sometimes Sh-
0: you can say the same thing with Flash. A lot of times where Sh- he's getting knocked around, like, sure. How is he not? Like, how is he moving slow enough for anyone to ever touch him? Like that, right? Yeah, that does that. That's some stuff you just have to accept because it's a Justice League show and not a Superman show, but.
1: At the same time, though, man. Yeah, they that... they <laughs> they went a little overboard with that. It was a little um, much. Anyway, all right. But yeah, that's fair to mention. So that brings us to our final scores, and that what's totaling up mine here. Let's see, we have a final score of thirty-one out of forty, which is obviously that's a that's a solid B plus, maybe an A minus oh, yeah. there. Uh, we're above thirty, which is always a good good sign. Really, really strong episode. Um, what what about you? And yeah, my final score is a little bit stronger there at 37 out oh, of 40. man. Yeah, that that's, that's upper echelon for you, man. Yeah.
0: No, this is this to me is one of the best episodes of any of the shows we've watched so far. Like I said, it's my personal my personal favorite episode of Justice League we've reviewed so far. There you go. Um You're wrong, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and but to me, yeah, it's it's in that upper echelon one of one of the best stories. And again, it's a lot they had to pack into it. And the fact that it's done so well, that the visuals are so compelling, that the music is so good. Like, this really feels like, uh, you know, all four of the categories that we rated on were really some, like, everyone was on their A-game here, it felt like. And, uh, yeah, I I think my score reflects that. So I I would venture to say, if we're talking about rewatchability, this is a must-see. Definitely, definitely agree. Just for no other reason than just how good it is as as a standalone thing, as you mentioned last week, one maybe one of the more memorable episodes of any of the shows. But, yeah, and also there's, there's some cool character stuff. You get to see, you know, how Green Lantern has to act without his ring on him. You get a little bit more of the, like I said, the Hawkgirl Green Lantern stuff. Um, you get a little more character development for Wonder Woman in this episode. So sure. it really, it feels like our heroes aren't in the same place that they were at the start of this adventure. And that's really what you want to ask for when you do a big epic story like this, is yeah. that... Our heroes are different, they've been changed by this adventure, and it does feel like they have been by the end. And just the sweet little ending, is—you know we get all these big moments and epic things and battles, and the final scene is just Wonder Woman going to visit uh, Steve in the nursing home, and they just sort of sit together and watch the sunset. It's like a really peaceful, nice little bow on this episode, too.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, well put, Liam. Very succinct. <laughs> Alright. Uh, well, that'll about wrap us up. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget coming up next week we are so oh, excited baby. about this we mentioned at the beginning of the episode we have the Justice League versus the Fatal 5 review we're going to be doing the day that this this movie premieres it's going to be released a little bit later than our normal 10-9 Central still be yeah. released on that Saturday we're super excited about it though so look out for that follow us on Twitter at Review but that will be premiering next Saturday. Look for it right here at dcaureview.com and of course streaming on iTunes and at on uh, Google Podcasts as well. Uh, super excited about that, Liam? Absolutely. It's uh,
0: again our first we had the the much beloved Batman and Harley Quinn movie a couple years ago, but <laughs> since then we've we we haven't gotten a full uh, full on DCAU project in a while. You've got all the you know a lot of the original voice cast is back. You've got some new characters that we've never seen in the DCAU before. I think it's going to be a... I'm 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 very excited for this. I think it's going to be... It's a recipe for a, a really fun time.
1: I'm excited, but also, I'm not going to lie, I'm a little bit worried that it's going to be focused... From the initial featurettes, it's focused a lot on... Uh, you, your Green Lantern, and your uh, your Jessica Cruz Green Lantern, and then who's the Legionnaires? uh, uh Starboy. the Starboy, Okay, so I'm a little. We'll see. Yes, I'm excited because it's DCAU. A- a- U. We're returning there, um, but uh, we'll see. We'll see whether or not it, it passes the uh, the initial excitement phase, and whether or not uh, we really enjoy it. But check that out. That's going to be coming up this Saturday, streaming at dcaureview.com. Check out our Twitter at dcau review for all the updates regarding when the episode is released. Give us your thoughts on this week's episode, A Savage Time, and don't. All, and also, we'd love to hear about your excitement, your thoughts. On the upcoming episode or the upcoming movie of the Justice League versus the Fatal Five, what are your thoughts? Are you excited? Are you nervous? Are your expectations a little bit dampened because of the Batman Harley Quinn movie? We,
0: which one of the musical numbers in Batman and Harley Quinn was your favorite?
1: <laughs> I actually, for what it was, I actually liked that. No, it was okay. fine. But uh, anyway, all right, that's a, that's a story for <laughs> that's another a review time. for another time. Exactly. Uh, with that said, I'm Cal and I'm Liam, and we will talk to you next week on the DCAU Review.
0: Bye-bye.